I stopped feeling suicidal after I started pole dancing because I didn't want to die because I was like, I want to be able to do that move. So can we take it from the top before I take the blame of was and what you thought it was and what a shame I put my trust in you, in you. So can we take it from the top before I take the blame of was and what you thought it was and what a shame I put my trust in you. If you know me at all, you know that I hate the internet. Which is ironic, not least because it's how I'm communicating with you right now. So, for a while, it was just a necessary evil in my life. To go into all the reasons I hate the internet would be a podcast episode in and of itself. So, look forward to skipping that one in the future. Things have changed, to say the least. In this episode of What We Will Abide, episode 58... I talk frankly with Sarah Jickling, a musician, a mental health advocate, and an amateur pole dancer, not to fear, explanations to come, about issues of maintaining positive mental health in today's utterly absurd world. I don't actually know Sarah. I'm talking to her here because we connected on the internet. Yes, the very internet I once despised and disparaged along with its hideous social media tentacles worming and wiggling their slimy way into our lives. Turns out, social media was never the problem. Nor was the internet. In fact, it was me all along. The hideous tentacles of anxiety and depression that ruled me, without my even realizing it. But the past year has been filled with upheaval, an earthquake. And one of the bits that got excavated was this truth about my mental health. I learned, at the age of 43, that I have dealt with anxiety and depression my whole life. It was my normal, so I thought nothing of it, and didn't for a second consider naming it something other than simply, this is who I am. But my anxiety and depression are not me, and since getting a handle on them, a totally new me has emerged, one that surprises my family, my friends, and myself. Now that I'm aware of it, I'm seeing things very differently. I'm embracing things I once resisted, namely social media and the internet. And I find I actually enjoy connecting with other human beings. Incredible. Unheard of. Revolutionary. Sarah Jickling is one of those people. She lives in Vancouver, and she was kind enough to set aside some time to talk openly and honestly with me about mental health, sexuality, and of course, the absurd civilization we're stuck in. This is part one of my talk with Sarah, and it includes some clips of the music she produces under the title Sarah Jickling and Her Good Bad Luck. I play songs here from an album she released in 2017 called When I Get Better, as well as a track from her new album called The Family Curse. I really dig her music, and I hope you do too. Some warnings for this episode before you go on. You should be aware that we discuss some potentially triggering topics, like sex, sexuality, self-harm, suicide, and possibly worst of all, the Canadian healthcare system. You told stinging truths, and whoa, they left me swollen, and I know you never meant to injure me. So I reached for your hands, but your fingers were too slippery. My name is Sarah Jickling. I am a musician and a mental health advocate, uh, an activist. I I work for the BC Schizophrenia Society um, and I go around my province of British Columbia um, uh, playing my songs and telling my stories. Um, and on Instagram, I, I just try to post as authentically as I can. And right now um, I'm releasing new songs uh, from my album that's going to come out in November called The Family Curse. And, and it's about um, it's about my family history of mental illness. And so actually I did just release a song today um, uh, called Villain. Uh, and it's kind of about uh, the idea of fighting with yourself um, and is there such thing as a bad person or a good person? And um, yeah, so so I'm currently releasing music, currently 
you know, traveling around telling kids it's okay to cry. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's kind of my deal. I am at the ripe old age of 44, becoming used to the concept of the internet. Um, <laughs> I guess I don't like it, but I also recognize that it's like a necessity and I'm just sort of acclimating to that. I don't know you. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I don't, I have never met you. Um, I, uh, this is in fact the first time I'm ever talking to you, uh, you know, in real time. So, um, that's weird, <laughs> but it's also kind of cool. And, uh, the reason I think that I got in touch with you in the first place is because I used a hashtag incorrectly, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so funny. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> one day while I was running uh, a couple of months ago, in April actually, I decided that I was going to start making memes. Um, I don't know why, but <laughs> I was like, hey, this is this TV show. Are, I don't know. Are you familiar with the TV show? Yes, but okay. not, not, very, not very familiar. I do just love... Um, detective shows in general. So I'm, oh, yeah, wow. I'm obsessed with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the show Homicide Life on the Street came out in the 90s and I was obsessed with it then and still kind of am. Uh, I think it's one of the best shows that, you know, has been produced. Of course, it's I, I believe that it stands up to the scrutiny of the modern era of Black Lives Matter and Me Too and all those things. But there are moments that are cringy. Um, yeah. It's it's really funny going back to shows. Um, like I, I the what number one thing that pops into my head is when I watched Friends again and I realized uh I'm like, this is the reason why I have so much trouble with my body and my sexuality. <laughs> That's a there's a real problematic show right there that was wow ridiculously popular when I was growing up. So it, looking back on anything is just really it's interesting. And some things yeah. hold up better than others. To finish this, you know, now protracted intro. Um, so, I, yeah, I started making these memes because, like, I love this TV show and um, I feel like I should tell people that because as a person who is coming to terms with his anxiety and depression and getting healthy, I'm realizing that I actually enjoy connecting with other human beings, which was awesome. a new thing as I lived most of my life thinking, like, I'm just who I am and that's it. And, like, I don't like to talk to people at parties uh, and I don't like to, you know, connect to people on the internet. And I, I do, cause that's just who I am and that's just my normal. And then when I started like on medication, realizing that um, this was not norm, but just actually an illness mm -hmm. that I'd had my whole life, yeah. um, all things started opening up and I was just like, holy shit, I think I actually might like to connect with people on the internet. So I start with <laughs> this, these memes and um, I accidentally use the hashtag BPD thinking that it stood for the abbreviation for Baltimore police department, which, I think it, which does. it may well, yeah. <laughs> I think it does. Um, but apparently it also stands for bipolar disorder, um, which yeah. I did not know. And all of a sudden, I don't remember exactly what the connection was, but did you like one of the posts? Uh, yeah. The, now here's um, a weird thing that, <laughs> that is that sometimes I don't, totally like to talk about but as a musician I felt a lot of pressure to get followers on um, Instagram and so sometimes I used to just go through and ha like look up the hashtags and just like everything that was on there uh, that I could see um, but there is no shame in that yeah so I like and just in the way that I thought like this is gonna connect me to people who might like what I'm posting. Uh, it sounds it sounds bad, but it's it's um I, I get a lot of pressure uh, in terms of like oh you gotta have followers because that's people are gonna see that's your draw how many people you bring out to a venue and then that means are you gonna be get booked at a festival and all this stuff. So uh, occasionally I will do that, and it's so funny that then I ended up liking your um police memes because i also really love detective shows <laughs> but yeah it's like it's really funny and now but now it's like now i really appreciate like all of the times that we talk online and the things that you'll say to me and i, I really 
I really love it in it. So I'm like, I guess it's good that I did that. <laughs> that I went through and liked everything that had a BPT hashtag for however long. <laughs> it is good. And I think that's sort of why it exists. You know, I think you're using it correctly. Um, I think like the whole design, the platform, the evil kind of inherent design of the inherent evil design is that like it sucks you in and keeps you in there. Mm -hmm. Um, but you have, you've blown it up from within. Um, you, you've, you've, you know, you've, you've used the system against itself, which is really subversive and revolutionary and great. I I do really enjoy um, being on there, even though I know that it's trying to kill me from the inside. Yeah. I, (laughs) I really like all of the different people I've met on there. The reason that I started following you was I was immediately taken by the honesty and bravery and transparency of your posts. Um, you just oh. struck me as someone who is like brutally honest about themselves in a way that I aspire to be. Uh, and so I, I really admire that about you. And, um, you know, this may seem really gushy, but like, you know, the things that you post about uh, your the state of your mental health and what you're doing to help yourself and, and the means by which you try to cope um, with these things are things that like really inspire me. Um, so and, and so like, yeah, so like, I, you know, and then some of the political stuff that comes up sort of tangentially, and I feel like we live in a world right now, which is simply inextricable from, you can't separate politics from everything that we say and do. It's very true. Uh, I'm glad you agree with that. So, yeah. so you, so you do that, you, you push a political agenda, which I agree with. Um, by talking about yourself and the things that you face and the kind of um, pushback and criticism and fear and I, I, don't, I don't hatred maybe um, and and just kind of like bullshit that you face as someone who talks openly about their sexuality, someone who talks openly about um, their body, someone talks openly about their feminism, somebody who talks openly about their mental health, like that scares people. And so I think that they become defensive and they lash out. And I, don't, I haven't seen anything um, specifically negative on any of your posts, but I do know that Instagram gave you a hard time about pole dancing. That's been affecting me and my friends um, in a big way. Um, uh, just th- again, through hashtags. Um, and that's, that's to do with, um, oh gosh, what are those? There's a, an anti- child sex trafficking law that was passed um this year i think um and basically it just put the onus on instagram or or whatever website um saying like you are responsible for what what gets put up there and so the idea was to like stop these kind of i i think the main website they were going after was called backdoor or something like that um gross yeah and 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 they were saying like you are responsible for the fact that people are you know this is this is where like very young girls are are being posted um and you could and that they're saying you know you are responsible for that you're not just like making money off of that and you get to go off the hook but the problem is i mean there's a lot of problems um but that means that instagram could be sued for anything that gets put on on instagram and so that went from basically all all strippers just kind of got blocked right away because it could be they have these um algorithms where they just just anything that maybe looks like it could be a teenager you know advertising sex on the internet which they just take it down immediately and and even if it's just like a full-grown stripper dancing they they'll take that down and then they took it to the next level and basically took down any any pole dancing at all um and also just basically anything where women were showing their bodies too much so all these pole dancers started trying to dance with more clothes on which is actually really hard because you have to stick to the pole and so generally you need your skin to do that uh that's part of why women can do it because not you know don't have that much arm strength we we use different ways to climb up a pole um and and then it ended up it ended up um going all the way to having the hashtag female fitness be banned um and 
if you were to use these hashtags, you could get banned. My friend just got uh, two days ago got banned from following anyone for five days. Like it's just like weird things like that that are like warnings. And because you're using these hashtags that they're just really trying to be like cover all their bases by like not even letting women show any skin on Instagram. Talk a little bit about who you are what you talk about on the internet about yourself and why you do it um, and what it and what it provides for you. The reason why I originally got an Instagram account is because I'm a musician. So that's a big part of me. Um, I write music and I've been kind of, you know, working in the music industry for a while and, and people are all about, you know, you're a musician, you got to promote yourself you gotta um you know be your own marketing manager and all that stuff and that's originally why I got an Instagram account I really and I just occasionally posted about my shows um but so I currently live with bipolar disorder anxiety disorder um OCD um and that became a much bigger part of my life than the music at some point, uh, especially as I got a little bit older and I was alone and um, it just became so, so difficult to do anything at a, at a certain point that, that that became the main focus for me was actually my mental health. And I... It took me a while, but eventually I started to share with people um, kind of the truth about what was going on inside my head because my my brand for for um, before I talked about my mental illness was kind of like quirky, cute, um, but definitely I I was happy, happy go lucky. That's something that people would always say about me, um, hmm. and it just felt really weird to go on stage and pretend to be like that when you know I was having suicidal thoughts on the daily, um, and and so uh, eventually kind of saying oh actually this is a part of who i am and and i think you guys should know about it um and i i first posted it about it um posted that i had bipolar disorder um online and was really af afraid <laughs> to do that but now it's become part of how i stay healthy really so I started posting and people started writing back um, and saying, you know, like, I also have this and this is how I deal with it. Or, you know, thank you for writing this song. This really helps me. Um, and and so that's when I started to really also decide to put out music that discussed like these types of things, really writing about what was actually happening in my head um, and writing about mental illness and it kind of got me into this kind of position I'm in now which is like I guess mental health advocate and artist so I now go around to high schools in British Columbia Canada um and um talk about basically living with bipolar disorder how to be okay and I, I get to play my music and it, I'm kind of all of those things at once. I, but, but I have, like, like you said, I post about, I basically um, try to be an open book. Authenticity is like my biggest value. Um, and I just find that um, other pe the reason why I'm okay with so many different parts of myself is because other people shared very personal things about themselves on the internet. So I can, if I can do that for other people, that's great. I was inspired to speak out about my bipolar disorder after hearing comedian Maria Bamford um, talk about it. She just went on stage and said, I have bipolar disorder type two. It's the new gladiator sandal. And I just remember being like, okay, she has bipolar disorder. And she's like not a totally crazy person. She's she's doing it. She's like doing her art and 
she's funny and okay. So maybe I can have this too. Maybe it's okay. And, and that helped me accept that. And, and just like so many other things, even, um, things that I've read on Instagram and I realized, oh, I have, this is a thing that I've never said out loud before, but I should talk to someone about it. And it's just because another person was brave enough to share it online. And so that's, it's kind of like a, a blog or something where I share every day things that I've been thinking about that I think I would like other people to know just in case they're also thinking the same thing. You happen to come into my life at a point in time when, okay, so let me, I'll put it to you this way. Hat, authenticity, you said, is your primary thing. I would not have been interested in your posts a year ago. Mm-hmm. I, they would have terrified me, the, the, and I wouldn't have understood why. I just would have been like, oh, that person's annoying, or that person's mm-hmm. crazy, or that person's an oversharer, yes, or that person's just looking, looking for attention. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think perhaps, like, even, and we haven't talked about the pole dancing yet, but I want to in depth, but I think I would have seen that as exhibitionist um, because in my own mind, I didn't know this at the time, but I know myself well enough now to know that at the time I would have, I would have had those reactions largely because your authenticity would have triggered in me a sense of envy. You also would have been talking about things that were familiar to me that I didn't want to admit about myself. Mm-hmm. And when I realized, when I began to turn towards these things and say, okay, yes, I do have um, you know, thoughts in my head that are not great. And I do have um, moments where I'm definitely in a alternate reality. Mm-hmm. And I do have moments where I have like tugs of war in my head between two voices, two um, competing voices. And, you know, anybody who's listening to this would say, who, you know, is unsympathetic to our situation would say, oh, those two people deserve to be in a padded room somewhere. Yeah. They're talking about voices in their head. I don't know. Do you have a, a committee of critics? Because I do. Um, <laughs> and these are, these are all terms that I'm coming, coming to, to know well. And it's only, it's only, since I've sort of turned towards this and recognized that like, okay, you have a real live mental health thing that doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you, you know, suddenly, you know, incapable of living your life. Um, That doesn't mean you need to be like hospitalized. It doesn't mean you need to like walk away from all the things that you have. It just means that you have something that you need to work with and recognize instead of avoiding. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've spent my whole life unwittingly avoiding it hard, like real hard. <laughs> I've come across people who are authentic in the way that you are all my life. And I've been, I was going to say repulsed. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word, but I, I've, I've definitely been like afraid and wanted distance and have, an, and, and have judged, big time judged. Yeah. Once that started to fall away and I began to embrace these things about myself, it became easier and actually kind of great to recognize these things in other people because recognizing my own vulnerability has actually led to a, like a, an opening up of a door of like empathy and compassion, which is actually a really great thing. Um, yeah. It's actually not great to be closed off and not great to be a cynic and not great to be a misanthrope. I always like prided myself on those things, <laughs> yeah. but actually it really doesn't help you in life because um, yeah. it closes things off and closes you off from people. And I've come to realize, you know, I don't know how long I'll live, let's say halfway through my life, that actually the purpose of life is connecting with other human beings. This is the kind of stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about all the time. Uh, and I'm really happy to have someone to talk to about it who is, who understands. Yeah. And lives it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, that's so interesting because I often feel a little self-conscious anytime I'm going to speak to men or teenage boys because I think they won't want to hear this. And, and you know, they're going to think I'm like some sort of, yeah, over-sherry girl who is not for them. And, um, and, and so I'm glad that some sometimes men are able to, to hear me and, 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 uh, and be okay sort of listening to to my story and i often i often feel like especially in the music industry 
all of my kind of sensitive traits and uh, the traits where I want to share and stuff like that are kind of seen as too too girly, I guess, um, which is weird because uh, honestly, like sharing and f- having emotions should not be something only associated with one gender. And so I'm aware that a lot of men, especially the um, especially the people who are super cool dudes who are run record labels, they're <laughs> that's not what they want to hear, and that's not what they want to see. I've thought many, many times about creating an alter ego where, that's just really cool and apathetic just to see if I could make money that way. <laughs> but That's fascinating. That, <laughs> because that's I, fascinating. But I can't. I can't because as soon as I started, I mean, I always kind of wanted to tell the truth but um, about my life. And I, you know, I, I when I really started to share and, and then to feel, yeah, to connect with other people and, and to see things get better and to it just it I I can't go back even if it means yeah my music is not going to be as profitable because it's about really specific mental health things that that I know are going to really resonate with some people and for other people they're going to be like what why is this here and occasionally I will be like down on myself like oh Sarah why don't you just play music that's popular that and just do the thing where you change your name to be one short weird word and you're like a mysterious sexy you know singer like that's that's pool is fair yeah that's what people have literally told me to do when i've gone to like you know network meetings and having people advise me in my career they're like you know what yeah you should change your name to just like maybe like a few letters of your last name and just like have this alter ego and but I'm like that's not what my art is about and I don't know if I could even make music like that like it would just feel so wrong and that other people who I talked to who who decided to do that they love it and that's cool they it makes them feel powerful that they get to be this mysterious sexy lady on stage and and that's great but for me I cannot do that because the music industry and just living in a city like Vancouver where everything is really expensive and it's quite hard to live here, you get and, – and also just to be fair, living in the world that we live in where you are constantly hearing about all these terrible things that's happening, I think doing something – inauthentic even if it would mean that i would get more likes or mm. signed to a label would mm. just end up, i'd i'd you know i'd still be living here and and the end of the day feeling like well you st- yeah. you'd still be you yeah and 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 i wouldn't have all these other people connected with me being like me too I, this is how i feel as well and and i wouldn't get to tell people you know what's going on with me and 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 it would feel it sound it, it it would be like i was trapped so so i've yeah i've re- i really have thought about kind of how sometimes it's it's uh a little too much for people the way that i kind of make art and and talk but um i just i couldn't do it any other way um it would just feel wrong i have never been the hero been the damsel in distress cause that's what I do best I look innocent and broken in my cotton summer dress but there's one thing that makes me Eating me pick up the chair, then after sex, out of a pen.
I think that the way that we live and the, you know, whatever you want to call them, pressures or stresses or environmental toxicity, whatever it might be, talk about masculinity, for example, is a perfect example of this, um, kind of literally drives people insane. Another example of this would be, um, I, I was driving the other day, my son was in the backseat and, uh, and he said, <laughs> you know, um, you always say that other drivers are crazy, that drivers are crazy. Does that mean that you're crazy because you're driving a car too? <laughs> And I thought about that for a second and I said, yes, you'd have to be crazy to willingly get into a 2,600 pound machine made of steel, plastic, and glass that is basically a death machine Mm -hmm. hurling around at 60 miles an hour with thousands of other machines just as deadly Mm -hmm. hurtling around at 60 miles around. You'd have to be crazy to do that. Yes. Um, And so like nobody thinks about it like that. Oh, you just get into your car. Yeah. You'd have to be crazy to... um, I mean, to, to sort of extrapolate here and, 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 you know, jump a few steps, but you'd have to be crazy to basically destroy our climate mm-hmm. in order to fuel automobiles so that it can drive around really fast yeah. so we can get places faster. You'd have to be crazy to deliberately destroy the, the very thing that gives you your life, air, water, the environment, mm-hmm. just to fuel this vehicle. You know, you say that to someone, especially at parties, and they look at you cross-eyed um, and they're like, you're no fun. I'm mm-hmm. going to talk to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I had to stop talking about that kind of thing at parties. <laughs> yeah. um, so I started a, a podcast instead. Yeah. And so like, I think, so I think that like just being alive on earth right now in the 21st century makes us crazy. I, I agree. And, and, um, so when I go to high schools, teachers always want to want me to talk about how, uh, Cell phones are bad. So kids put away your cell phones um, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And and so, you know, I don't have the scientific research on, you know, how actually bad cell phones are for you. But one thing that I say, which is not exactly what they want to hear, is I don't think the human brain is really capable of being able to know all of the bad things that are happening around the world at once and we can get notifications saying this bombing happened here this happened here and we will know about all of these things and we also know that even more things are happening just from statistics uh you know just you really if you really think about it you can't you can't really think about it because we don't have the coping skills to do that. Um, right. So so it's really hard to just, I, you know, I go to schools and one of the things that we ask the kids are, what stresses you out? And like these like 13 year old kids are like, <laughs> the earth is going to die. Like, you know, and like uh, President Trump and stuff like that. And we're like, yep, fair. Okay. Occasionally a kid will be like math homework. I'm like, yeah, that's also <laughs> stressful. So like, it's, it's definitely, I I think it's definitely contributing to the fact that anxiety is now the number one mental illness, at least in in teens, and 
And yes, the comparison machine on social media doesn't help either. Um, when I started my job working for the BC Schizophrenia Society, part of it is that we tour around the province, which sometimes, it, like, the province is huge. We we can drive for like 10 or 15 hours just to get to another town because Canada is so big and there's just like trees everywhere. And then people do not know how big Canada is. Oh, so big, which makes it really hard to be a musician here because <laughs> you have to drive like days and days and days before you get to another town um, that has people in it. But yes, <laughs> to the most remote places. And, and the thing that gives me hope there is that now that we have the internet and we have YouTube actually, I can, there are kids up there who are like, yeah, I'm a uh, genderqueer, just like my favorite YouTuber. And I just don't think that, you know, even 10 years ago, that would have been a thing that would be acceptable. Sure. It was not acceptable at my high school, which was just in the kind of metro Vancouver area um, 10 years ago. So I see that like, especially in young, young, young people, um, there, there's, because we have this thing connecting all of us, which can be very anxiety inducing. Um, it also just does let other people know, oh, people like you are out there and, and you're going to be okay. So going to these really tiny like oil towns um, where everything is quite conservative um, and seeing these kids who are like, yeah, I identify like this or, oh, and they, they all know about anxiety and, you know, it's, it's great. It's, it's honestly like really exciting to just see that. And because even, so I, I'm in my late twenties, so I was in high school like 10 years ago or more. Uh, um, and, but even th then I'd never heard of the word anxiety before. So, so the idea that now I can go into a school and all these kids already know about anxiety and depression and, and, and they know about, um, different sexualities and like all this stuff, it, it, it makes me feel pretty good about the future. When I go on these tours, I get really like optimistic. It is my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, that pole dancing for you is a coping mechanism for anxiety. Um, yeah. And for, you know, just it, it helps you uh, with your mental health. How did you get into it? Why do you do it? What does it do for you? Mm -hmm. um, and we already talked about how it's been sort of problematic yeah. in certain ways, uh, which you can touch upon again. But um, yeah, so, so go there. Yeah, for sure. So when, I mean, everybody gets told that, exercise is the answer um, to depression at some point or the answer to anxiety um, because it's it gets you endorphins and it, it is quite helpful um, but exercise for me had always also kind of been tied to body issue things and it was never fun and I just never did anything um, really in terms of exercise and once I was getting medicated. I was not stable. Um, my boyfriend, his, he started going to um, basketball uh, with his brother at a community center. And at that same time, there was a Zumba class. So Zumba, just like kind of like exercise, Latin dancing, very like mostly middle-aged women, uh, and it's just very kind of a, just, uh, you know, it was just basically jump. It's like jumping for an hour. And so I remember the first time I went to Zumba, I had scars. Oh, like very fresh self-harm scars all the way down both of my arms. And I thought, well, it, does, it doesn't matter because I'm never going to see any of these people again. I, I just I just went this I'm just here this one time and nobody's gonna know me um but it ended up being just really awesome like that I ended up feeling really good afterwards um and the teacher was really really cool and so I started to go to this Zumba class and even uh, my boyfriend stopped, stopped going to the basketball and I would go myself. I would bike over there and I'd go to Zumba every Tuesday. And that became 
an important part of my recovery. Um, it's just a once a week kind of thing. And then um, this Zumba instructor, she was this very cool lady with like bright pink hair. And um, she's like, you know what? Actually, the pole studio that I work for opened up a new studio just down the street from here. So you guys should check it out. And so my Zumba instructor, I mean, she was so cool. And I was like, why not? Why not just check it out? It's like down the street from my house. uh, And she teaches it. And I just love everything that she does. And so far, all I can do with her is Zumba. So it would be great if I could take another class with her. Um, so, So I went to the this intro to pole at the the local pole studio here is called tantra fitness so it's very yeah it's opened by a stripper and like very um kind of a they're really they're not trying to get away from the stereotype at all but i went to the first the kind of like intro to pole and i was so bad at it like the worst in the class and Yet, uh, it was really fun. And the teacher who taught that was like, don't worry, I was so bad too. Like I couldn't, I couldn't grip at all. And then she showed me, she's like, but now I can do this. And she just like went upside down and did all these really crazy things. And she's like, you could do that. And I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> and, and she's like, yes, you you can. So they, they sold this kind of, um, little trial uh thing and 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 I was like kind of just pushing myself to do whatever so I started going I went to a couple of classes um and I found it to be so helpful because it's so hard and it's so fun um so the basically the the kind of muscles that you have to build as a woman in order to do pole dancing this is like really stuff that that seems it seems impossible it seems impossible when when you when you start um and then you you do gain the muscle and and you you become strong enough to like open pickle jars and like and climb up poles and and um for me, I wasn't like, oh, I want to do this sexy dance. Like, I was kind of afraid to do that. I didn't really do that. But just the idea of, like, being able to do something and be really strong, that was really exciting for me. Um, and and I just found that when I was there, I, like, everyone was so friendly. I, I made new friends. I, um... I, I, it gave me something to look forward to. So, so something that we learn in dialectical behavioral therapy, something I highly recommend is that you should have something in your life. That's not very important that you can continue to get better at. So we call it building mastery. And so this had nothing to do with the music industry. I was not like worrying about, Oh, am I going to get good enough to, to, you know, be signed by a, pole dancing label or whatever so it wasn't actually it but I was getting better like every time which was different than Zumba because Zumba you just go and you jump around and whatever who cares um but this was like you have to engage very specific muscles and they have very you know in-depth things that you have to kind of think about all at once in order to do this thing that ends up being really amazing it looks really amazing and um and so I think because not only was it exercise not only was it making me stronger but it was also making me feel like I was doing something like with my life (laughs) because I I was getting better at something it gave me like a focus and this is so weird but I stopped feeling suicidal after I started pole dancing because I didn't want to die because I was like, I want to be able to do that move. And if I die, I won't be able to do that move. And it was like such a basic thing, 
but it gave me excitement for life for the first time in so long. Like being able, like looking forward to something was huge. Being like, one day I'll be able to do this move if I just try. And, and if I give up, I won't be able to do it. So I got to keep going. And, and it gave me this, this, this ex- huge excitement. I got so into it. Um, and, and since then, I mean, I've just met so many people today. I, I spent two hours with, with, uh, two girls that I met at the pool studio. They, they both have babies and we went out to, to a park and we just talked about life and like, I, and anxiety, actually. We talked about anxiety and, and the, I met them at the pool studio. And so I went from a time where I was very like insulated and I didn't have other people in my life really that I could talk to and everything was about music, but it was also about how I was failing in music and everything was about mental health and how I was kind of failing there as well. And this was just a totally separate thing that I could get really, really into. And suddenly I had a new community. Suddenly I had new muscles. Suddenly I had new goals. Um, and I just started doing it like multiple times a week. And um, it, it, it just, it is so fun. <laughs> I have to say it's so fun. And there's also something about, you know, a lot of people say, oh, for anxiety, you do yoga or something like that. And I did yoga so much. I did so much yoga. Um, but I found that like really challenging physical activity really helped me with my anxiety because you just get to this point where you just can't worry about anything because you're so exhausted. And it's, it's, um, it just takes every little bit of energy that you have inside of you. So it's actually kind of a good place to put anxious energy. Um, and, and so it it worked in all those different ways to just like be this thing that, that ended up helping me cope in so many different ways, even a very specific thing, which is that I stopped self-harming because in pole dancing, you have to take off a lot of clothes in order to stick to the pole. So it got to the point where there was nowhere I could hide my scars, nowhere I could hide my cuts. It's literally, it, it, it would, it was that, that gave me the moment that, that moment that you need where you think before you do it. Mm. And I have not self-harmed since I started pole dancing. I have not, I haven't had thoughts of suicide. It was just, it's, it's crazy how much it's changed my life. That's intense. Um, and like wonderful. Uh, I'm sort of sitting here, um, applauding (laughs) in my head because it is like such a great story. Um, and I imagine that there is some, taboo but there are people who say like who may say i know that i don't know if there are people who said this directly to you but like would say well that's just something strippers do um and it has a you know a stigma attached to it yeah yes um yeah, that's true and like that's unfortunate um because i've watched a lot of the videos and there it's it's really artful and and graceful and um i don't really i'm going to say something untoward right now but i don't really think it's so bad that if you watch an artist artistic performance and you get a little bit turned on like what's so bad about that like i i like to be perfect to be honest with you like i just like you know i mean (laughs) there are certain like traditional like ballet and other dance performances that people watch and like we're looking at human bodies which are in great shape and that's can be exciting and I don't really see anything like I now don't see anything wrong with it. The old me would have felt tremendously shameful about it, ashamed about it. Um, and so like, this is kind of me like working through that and saying like, Hey, I'm embracing my sexuality, which is something that I never did before and was always ashamed of. So yeah, to me, it, it's a sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just just gonna say, like the the thing is, the first time I heard about pole fitness was in the movie with Ryan Gosling, where he tells he tells Steve Carell, "The war of the sexes is over," 
we won when they started doing pole dancing as fitness. And that's mm. how I saw it for a long time. Like, I, I was like, no, I was like, why would women like degrade themselves like that for fun? Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, the idea of like, but now that I know strippers, I know strippers and I, and I like, I've heard their stories and I've seen what they can do. And oh my goodness, there's, there's just, honestly, there's, there are problems with like the strip clubs and the, the, the kind of some of the origins of, of um, pole dancing and that kind of like the power imbalance between the man and the woman. But the actual dance is really amazing. And, it, and yeah. And if it's sexy, like that's, that's cool. What's wrong with that? <laughs> and, uh, if you're in the right situation, like um, one of the teachers at Tantra Fitness, she she throws these parties where they're strip nights, but it's um, very like very very inclusive, and and you just have pe- all types of people, um, and and it's really like it's not about the male gaze anymore it's just about people dancing and being amazing and just absolutely every type of person comes to watch and and cheer and um and like in that situation like i just don't see anything wrong with it i i mean we're like we'd like to shame women for being sexual but also tell them that they have to be sexy it's very confusing but um well it, it's it's beyond it's not it's it's a power play it's not confusing yeah. it's it's well it's it's abominable is what it is but um you're right i mean that's 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 what i was sort of trying to get at earlier when i was saying like you know people are like okay yeah you can um you, you know you can do porn and we'll all watch porn, but we won't tell our wives. Yes. And we'll run up huge credit card debt on that. But we will tell you that you can't pole dance on Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just garbage. I mean, <laughs> I can't think of a better word for it. A year ago, I found out <laughs> or I was diagnosed or it came to my attention that I have you know, a medical condition, right? Which is this general anxiety, mild depression. And I got on medication and I've changed therapists. and um, things began to change pretty, pretty dramatically. And, um, you can see that in all facets of my life, specifically, especially my marriage, some, uh, to do also with my work and, uh, the kinds of ways that I think about life in general. Uh, but that does, because I was getting healthier, it doesn't mean that I'm not prone to backslides. Mm-hmm. One of the things that has been helpful to me is, and you, you mentioned a partner, my partner provided me with exactly what I needed, exactly when I needed it. Um, and I didn't even know what it was that I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that was, was unyielding, unending, unmitigated love and support. Mm-hmm. And part of that looks like her saying to me, hey, I've noticed a few things slipping of late. Are you having an episode? Mm-hmm. This would happen throughout our marriage uh, where we would have exchanges like this when I didn't know what the context was and I would get angry with her. And that old pattern comes back very easily. Mm-hmm. And most recently in the past couple of weeks, I was having, you know, like a prolonged anxiety attack because of the, um, the dawn of the new school year. Right. Uh, the, the time of year was like a trigger for me, right. uh, dredging up old fears, dredging up old anxieties, dredging up old anger and sadness and instead of allowing myself to feel those things, I pushed them away. And then what began to happen was I began to get distracted, unfocused, mm-hmm. you know, nothing drastic, but like obvious signs, symptoms of that, that we've noticed before. And she pointed these things out to me and, and like in her very insistent way was like, this is a very distinct sign to me that things are going wrong. You need to do something about it. And my response was to get angry with her. Uh, one of the things that happens to me is I become a very, very, very bad driver right. um, when I'm having an anxiety episode, and I wound up driving on the wrong side of a divided two-lane street. Right. And she's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And that like scared me um, and shamed me. Like I felt immediate shame, but I have an immediate response to that, which is just deny that anything is happening. Right. Um, 
So I was like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> We're, you know, we'll, we'll get through this. It's no problem at all. Um, and she's like, I need you to take responsibility for what just happened. And I'm like, stop yelling at me. <laughs> that, was, that was the only thing I could come up with. Um, my point in telling you all this is that it was, it became clear after a couple of days of sitting with this that something was happening. I became aware that I was like drifting into the old patterns so easily because they, as I think I wrote to you, it's, if they, even though they're harmful, they're so comfortable and they're so familiar Yes. that you find yourself gravitating towards them, even though you know they're harmful for you on an intellectual basis, but on a visceral basis, it's like home. That moment where I was like aware of the possibility that I could slip into another state of mind, another set of beliefs, an entirely diluted set of beliefs that was not reality, but that would become reality for me was very, it was like very palpable. And that this other voice was there to say, you don't have to. And I listened to it and pulled myself out of it, which was a new thing, was a striking moment. So what I want to ask you about is, have you ever experienced that? Like, how did you like navigate your way through that? Well, yeah, this is the thing is, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this, but just that like neuropathways are created when we have the same way over and over again. And yes, it's so easy to go back into, into those old ways of thinking. And I do it all the time. Um, to the point where today I was talking to my friend on the phone and she's like, have you read your Instagram? <laughs> like, just follow your own advice. Uh, it's <laughs> like, yeah, but it's hard. <laughs> like, yeah, though I, I definitely, you know, fall back into those places. You have to notice like those moments where you make decisions not to do something destructive or to take a step back and celebrate them like crazy. Uh, Mm. It's very uncomfortable for me and probably for most people to celebrate something like not freaking out. (laughs) Like, good for you. You didn't freak out. Like, in in my head, I'd be like, well, I shouldn't be freaking out. It's nothing. I'm just, you know, it's summer and I'm just (laughs) sitting here. Um, But it's actually really important that we do. And last week, I just felt this kind of heaviness come over me when I was listening to something that was a bit sad. And I just was like, yeah, actually, the world is terrible terrible place and I went back to that like what's the point what's the point and I went to bed and I was like I phoned my partner so I have a very supportive partner as well and and I was crying and I said can you come home and he said no because he has a job and 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 I said well I'm gonna take sleeping pills until you get home and that's something I oh god all the time and he's like well but think about your other coping skills. Like what else could you do? And he gave me some ideas and and I thought of some ideas of my own. I was like, okay, I'm going to put on the fan because it's too hot in here. (laughs) I'm going to just do nothing but play this video game. Very, very simple, like phone video game. Um, And and I'm going to not expect anything else of, of myself. And, and, and I did not take the medication and like, I, and, and, you know, I ended up going to my sister's house. I ended up doing, co- using coping skills. And, and so that was something that even like, as we're talking about it, I'm like, I need to appreciate that more because when I phoned my partner he's like did you know that you used to call me every single day crying like when I would go mm. to work I would think what time is Sarah going to call me crying because it would happen every day and then I was calling him and I said I can't remember the last time I was crying like this I can't remember um and and so it's even though like it's weird to celebrate in a moment where you're doing poorly because you feel worse than you did 10 minutes ago or whatever but just to remember how you you know the things that you've done in the past the way that you've coped in the past and how this is better it's you know I, yes i i did cancel plans and just kind of hang out in my bed and and play video games and stuff but i didn't take my sleeping pills and like that's that is something that I used to think I couldn't I couldn't live without I would do that 
all the time. I would do that daily. If I couldn't handle an emotion, I would take a sleeping pill and I would sleep until it was gone. And that's the kind of thing that is important to remember. You know, I used to feel so uncomfortable with my sleeping pills that I would only get one week's worth um, because I was worried I was going to overdose on them. And now I can have a month's worth in, in my house and, I, and it doesn't feel dangerous. And, and that's because I know that when I go to those moments, I have other coping skills. And it's, it's, um, it, it's a hard thing to celebrate, like I said, because you're in, in a bad place when you, when you get there. But um, it's really worth celebrating. And, and, and similar to when I was talking about pole dancing and how I was about to self-harm and I realized oh, I'm not going to be able to hide this and, and it's going to hurt if I try to pole dance with these cuts. And, and, and I decided not to. Like those decisions, those moments where your brain is like, mm, no, I'm going to do something else. Those are really important. And I just don't think we celebrate them enough because they're not very exciting, but they're, but they, but they're really important. I'm still in the process of taking it on faith that if I don't like, for example, spiral about something, mm-hmm. um, then it won't happen. Um, like if I spiral about a thing and I go through all of the possible scenarios, then none of them, none of the bad ones will happen. Right which is an old sort of magical thinking kind of thing that I used to do. And now I'm like, I'll just say like, nope, don't do that. And then the other part of me will be like, no, but you have to do that. Yeah. Like you, you can't not do that. Yeah. Like that's how are you going to survive this? So you have to like take it on faith until you create those new neural pathways. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how grateful I am that you were willing to do this. Um, of course. This has been. Uh, a, yeah. Thank you for asking me. I was, I actually ha- didn't, think you were going to say yes. Really? Um, <laughs> oh yeah. I'm always down to talk yeah. about this kind of stuff. <laughs> I enjoyed my conversation with Sarah so much that it went on for a really long time. So much so that I've broken it up into two episodes. Look for part two coming soon. At the top of this show, you heard a clip from the song You Let Me Down, a track from Sarah's 2017 album When I Get Better. At the end of the show, I played this time also from When I Get Better. This episode's intermission music was Villain, which is on the just-released 2019 album The Family Curse. You can find all of Sarah's music on Spotify and at sarahsgoodbadluck.com. She's also on Facebook and, of course, Instagram as sarah.jickling. You can also watch her music videos on YouTube at Sarah Jickling and her good bad luck. Thank you for listening to this episode of What We Will Abide. It's one of my most personal and most favorite episodes. Again, watch out for part two of my discussion with Sarah. It's less about mental health and more about politics and the difference between Canadians and Americans, among other things. And if you like it, buy Sarah's music. I would describe it as pop with a brutally honest, heavy heart and soul. I wish her all the best on her album release. If you like this show and want to hear more, you can find older episodes of What We Will Abide on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform, as well as on Facebook, too. Thank you for listening. I make myself sick, I can't help it. I've always had this darkness, who am I without it? My thoughts have run wild for 22 years, and I'd expect it by now. I just swallowed my fear. But every time I break down, try to change, I try to cope, I always climb back from the edge of my road. This time, this time is different. This time, this time is different. I'm gonna try a new medication, Eastern religion or form of meditation. I'll change how I eat, they'll change how I speak, and I'll repeat my mantra before I go to sleep, but suddenly it sinks in. There's no time to fight it. I see it's the very last time. I can't keep going like this. I'm gonna change. I'm gonna cope. I'm gonna hold on to what's left of my hope. This time, this time is different. This time, this time is different.
He makes me laugh and I make him do the same But he doesn't know I can't keep it together I know I can love him as soon as I get better But what if I break down his 